Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey. And the wisdom of God transcends, it lifts you over. Where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. Love is a manifestation of strength. The Holy Spirit produces nothing but strength in us. I want to show you. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. What's going on, family? It's your man, Gerard Bonner, and we are back for another episode of On Course with Heart Ramsey, and we call these sessions Heart to Heart. It's your opportunity to hear from the heart of Pastor Heart Ramsey about life, love, current events. Oh, man. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Pastor Heart, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Oh, okay. So you dropped a bomb on us. At the end of the last podcast about prophecy, about false prophets, I want to <laughs> dig into that a little bit because particularly now, there seems yeah. to be a real – I don't know what to call it. Uh, I, I will call it maybe an attraction for people to right. – prophecy to prophets to knowing about the future and things of that nature and certainly there are more than likely some false prophets weaved in there somewhere first of all how do we address this attraction to prophecy is there a good is it, is it good for people to be attracted to it is there an unhealthy attraction uh to, to prophecy what are your thoughts on that well, the first thing about prophecy you have to know is that prophecy is not always intended to predict the future. Oh, that's good. You know, um, this is important. Um, people, some people, I, I almost say this, there's an inherent laziness in, in the believer. Um, because here's, here's what the Lord says. The Lord says the just shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. But faith, the Bible says, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Right. In a lot of cases, things not known. Um, um in Second Corinthians five, Paul says, "We walk by faith, not by sight." Right. So, so faith is to the spiritual realm that I can't see what my eyes are to the natural realm that I can see. Faith is to the, to the invisible what what my eyes are to the visible. And so, what happens with people is that is that uh, instead of trusting the Lord and waiting on the Lord, we, be, we become drawn to prophetic ministry because prophetic ministry will give us a glance in, in some cases into what, what to expect in the future. Mm-hmm. You got it? Yeah. Now, pro- prophetic ministry, when you go back and study like the rebuilding of the, the, uh, the wall in Jerusalem and the temple during the time of uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, uh, uh, Zerubbabel, Joshua, the high priest, and, and what have you. Um, when the when the work stalled for sixteen years, mm-hmm. what God did was God sent prophetic ministry to speak the word of the Lord to the people. Um, uh, but 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 what I noticed about it was a part of the, of the of the the words that they spoke was was not was not a predicting, but just proclaiming. Mm. You got it. Okay. Um. Um. Some of it is just is just uh, inspiring and encouraging, not so much telling me what's going to happen in the future. Okay. Okay. And so what happens is people misunderstand a prophecy. I, I, I share a prophecy like this. If you go to church and you're sitting in a room full of people and a guy in the pulpit begins to, to preach a message from about whatever topic, and all of a sudden it dawns on you that he's speaking directly to things you pray to God about, mm-hmm. that's prophecy. Wow. 
It's the word of knowledge. He's, uh, when a man speaks generally, but God speaks to you specifically, that is prophecy. Wow. Okay? Now, what, what happens to people is that they start treating the prophet of God like a soothsayer and a fortune teller with a crystal ball. Right. Now we start getting into when, when prophecy is being pimped, mm. then, then it turns into this, this false thing that God did not intend. A couple of things you need to know about the prophetic ministry is that the, the ministry of the Old Testament prophet died with John the Baptist. Wow. Jesus said there was, there was that John the Baptist is the greatest prophet that ever lived, but he was beheaded mm. in in scripture, whenever there's a beheading of anyone it's, it, or, or the breaking of the neck, it, it, it spells the end of an era or the end of a government wow. or, or end of a dispensation. Mm -hmm. so, so the reason that John the Baptist had to be beheaded was because he was the last prophet of the Old Testament. Wow. Jesus, Jesus comes, um, John the Baptist comes up, um, um, preaching uh, repentance as preparing the way of the Lord. And when his message is, is, is dispensed, Properly throughout the the, uh, the house of, of Israel, then he's taken into prison um, on charges from Herodias and uh, or Herod, and his head is cut off, marking the end of the old covenant. And Jesus officially dies and um, completes or fulfills the covenant, and he rises from the dead and begins the new covenant. Wow. Okay. What what the saints need to grasp is, if you're chasing prophets or prophecy, it means you're not trusting God. Wow. Because here's the thing, God, God, uh, in, the Old, in the Old Testament, kings would summon a prophet when they were confused. Okay. They would they were summon a prophet when they need to know what is the Lord saying. And the reason for that is because they, it generally, um, they didn't have the Holy Spirit like we have the Holy Spirit. Right. I mean, there were certain people, uh, prophets, priests, uh, kings, and people that were called to certain special works, they, re they received the Holy Spirit with measure. Mm -hmm. But... Um, but but the reality is in the new covenant, all the believers we receive the spirit of Christ. Right. Um. This chase and, and what and, and um. You have I I don't not recall any names because that's not what this is about. Right. But there are prophets out there who have really let down their followers by prophesying. First of all, God is not going to tell a prophet to prophesy about who going to win a game. <laughs> right. right. That's, that is irrelevant. It has nothing to do with with the, with the strength and, and the growth of the church. It has nothing to do with with, with um. Prophets have a ministry where they point the way mm -hmm. and it's not and, and they don't always point the way with predictions. Wow. You got it. Many times what they do is they, they point the way to the people by saying this. They simply say this is the way walking in it. Mm -hmm. they, they, they have a sense of knowing the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. They, they can tell you this is the way let's go in it. What's going to happen when we go down the road? I don't know what's going to happen, mm -hmm. but this is the way. Agabus in the book of Acts prophesies to Paul and he tells him he takes the belt he said whoever this belt belongs to thus saith the Holy Ghost mm -hmm. that trouble awaits this man when he goes to Jerusalem and 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 um and 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 watch this Paul receives the prophecy from Agabus but Paul but everybody's begging Paul not to go but here's what Paul said man what mean you to break my heart he said I'm willing to go and to die mm. And Paul went against all the, all the directives of the people who were advising him because this thing was, man, I feel called to this. But Agabus told him what was going to happen. Right. The purpose of the, Paul didn't go, I said, well, send me a prophet so I could know what's going to happen so I could decide what to do. No, God already directed Paul, this is the way you, you're going to go. But then the, the, the prophet just came along to give him an idea that when you go, just struggle. All he did, listen to this, 
he confirmed what Paul already knew. Wow. New Testament prophecy is not really revelatory, it's confirming. Hmm. God speaks to me first. Yeah. And then he sends a prophet to confirm what I already know. Now there's times in the in that arrangement God will answer questions. God God would God would um the, I'll have these nagging little um questions that, that I don't know who to ask and God will answer them just um just to kind of put me at ease or just to confirm some things that I, I thought were a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um he he will use a prophecy to lift a cloud of deception. Or to put me at ease with something that I otherwise would not have been comfortable with. Mm. But the, the office, the, now look at the fivefold ministry. The apostle, he's the guy that, that, that he's into foundations, he's into basics, he's into establishing, he's into covering and, and, and training. Mm -hmm. The next office the Bible talks about in, in, in that Ephesians 4 piece is, is, the, is the prophet who points the way. His job is to point the way, but he's not by himself. And, and the prophet doesn't, he doesn't live for the people most, most of the times. Most of the time, the prophet may, may, may go from church to church. Mm -hmm. But I want to show you something. When you talk about, when you, by the time you get to the ministry of the pastor and the teacher, the prophet sits under the, under the ministry of a pastor. Wow. He does. Yeah. And some people, some prophets will think that because they have a great prophetic gift, it makes them an apostle. Listen to me. You know what I'm saying? It's saying that because, it's saying because I, have, I can see really good, mm -hmm. that it makes me the leader. Hmm. No, I can have a leader that, listen, I can have a leader that, that needs a cane and a, 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 a C&I dog. Right. If he's anointed to lead, you got it? Right. If he's anointed to lead, there's special qualities he's going to have that my 2020 vision doesn't give me. That's because right. I have eyes to see does not mean I have internal vision. Right. There's, there's so much we could say about this, but the saints of God, I think what happens to us is, is we become so uncomfortable with the prospect of trusting God that we invite these, these quote-unquote seers into our lives mm -hmm. and, and, and we, we, we trust them to guide us. Uh, and what they become to us are spiritists and not prophets at all. Good grief. It's just like, it's just like, like you have a, 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 a card reader or a crystal ball gazer. Mm-hmm. Or in your life, and, and you call him whenever something comes up. Man, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is this is good because I know again there are a lot of people who have these kinds of questions, um, not understanding prophecy and things of that nature. And I like what you said about faith. Uh, is to the invisible as our eyes are to what we see physically. So, right. how does a person grow their faith to be able to trust what they hear from God and not necessarily have to have it confirmed by someone else? That's a good question. Here, here's some simplicities. Number one is that God, you know, the Bible says, um, it talks about man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds on the mouth of God, the proceeding right. word. It's not just what God said. Right. It's what God is saying. But here's what's a powerful thing, Gerard, is that God always, God, God says what he's already said. Oh, that's good. In other words, he's not making stuff up as he go along. Imagine this. God is an eternal God. Right. Okay. Think about this. Everything in the Bible is not all that God said. Right. In, in, in the book of John, the, the last, right around the last verse of the book of John, the Gospel of John, it says that, that it, uh, uh, um, if they try to document everything that Jesus did, all the miracles he did, there will not be enough books in the world to document them. Wow. Okay. So, so 
we have to understand that what the Bible is, the canon of scripture is nothing but what, what I call documented truth. These are things that God preserved for us. Mm-hmm. Then there's an argument about whether or not the Bible is real. I'm not going to argue with that because my thing is if God, if God is sovereign enough to create multiple, look, he has, listen, he created 200, over 200 billion with a B. Mm-hmm galaxies right. that each have over 200 billion with the B planets in them. Wow. So so if he could do that, then I think he could he could preserve the, the things that, that, that are necessary for us to know to lead us to Christ in, in, our, in our generation. So, you know, I, I won't argue that. But I think what's important, uh, what's important as we deal with the issue of, of faith is understanding that, number one, um, God speaks a word and then he says, faith comes by hearing. In the Greek, that, that the grammar of that says hearing repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And what it's doing is it's, it's, it's convincing. Paul said this. He said, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life. Nor, you know that scripture in the book of Romans chapter 8? Yes. Here's the thing. When you read that in the Greek, it says, this, I, he says, I am, I am, I've come through the process of persuasion. I have reached a settled conclusion wow. that... Neither death nor life. Listen to that statement. I've I've come through the process of persuasion, right? And I, and I'm now at a settled conclusion. He said it again in another place. He said, "Um, um, I'm I've known who I've believed, mm-hmm. and I am persuaded right. that He's able to keep that which I've committed to Him against that day." Again, in the in with the Greek translation, um, I know who I've, I've believed, and I've come through the process. Of persuasion and now I'm at a set of conclusion that he's able to keep that which you see how it works right. I, 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 go, I come to this process of persuasion where, where I'm, I'm hearing the word over and over again and what it's doing is, is argue, the word persuade means to argue a point to the point where your argument overwhelms or overcomes my belief Wow. So, so every time I go, so the reason the real reason we go to church is to hear the man of God argue against my belief He's arguing the word of God and he's arguing me out of my false belief or my lower belief to a higher belief. I'm going through the process of persuasion. And how long will that happen until I come to a settled conclusion? A settled conclusion. that The thing that God's saying is what I believe. The reason we're not seeing miracles. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. Is because in the book of Galatians, Paul says, he says, um, he that worketh miracles among you, does he do it? By, um, by the work, by, by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Mm. Translation. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, "How do you get miracles? Is it by you doing the right things, or by you believing God for them?" And here's how it works, Gerard. Until we actually be, actually believe that every miracle we'll, we need comes by believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Until we come through the process of persuasion to the settled conclusion that there's no good thing that could come from me that could attract a miracle from God. Until I understand that everything that God gives me, he gives to me because he's good, not because I'm good. Mm. Until that happens. I will not see the things I'm, I'm trusting for. So faith really is me coming through this process of God arguing against what I think is right and show me what's right, what I think is good and show me what's good, what I think I need and show me what I really need. And when I come to that set of conclusion, God calls that faith. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Hart Ramsey. To subscribe, simply text the word Uplift 
to the number 46786. Once again, text the word UPLIFT to the number 46786. And daily you'll receive a text message designed to uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Amen. We got something to say. Listen. Did you know that there is power in your words? Cement that with the brand new remixes to the single, It Is So, from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Pick up the remixes to It Is So from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Available now at all digital outlets. Let's go! Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. So see this, man, <laughs> I, I, I love this because what this really does is this now, again, kind of argues against this American Christian model that we have about <laughs> name it and claim it, you know, all that type of stuff that makes us lack patience for the process. Right. You know, uh, uh, my choir did the song, It Is So. Yes. And at the end of the song, we said, whatever I speak, whatever I speak, it will come to pass. Mm-hmm. And when people when I hear that, they say, well, I can just say anything. No. See, th- that that comes from that erroneous thing. And God, when I say this, people get so confused about it. So I'm going to try to take this slowly. Mm-hmm. The, the Bible says in, in Psalm 2, I will declare the decree of the Lord. Mm-hmm. In the book of Job. Um, Eliphaz, I believe it is, one of Job's friends, mm-hmm. made a statement. He said, "Thou will decree a thing, and it will be so." Right. But when you go to Job forty-two, God says that all. I think it, I'm pretty sure it's Eliphaz. He said everything that he said about me was wrong. Wow. He has not. Spe- he has not spoken a thing about me that is right. So this is here's what's powerful about it, is that. God actually refuted what Eliphaz says. So I, can, I cannot, yeah, Eliphaz the Temanite. So I can't take what he said about this thing about I will decree a thing and it will be so because God said it wasn't right. Wow. What is right is in Psalm 2 when God says that basically he has given, um, he, he says of Jesus, I've given you all the kingdoms of the world. And, and the response in this messianic psalm, and a messianic, a messianic psalm is a prophetic psalm about Jesus kind of foretelling things that he said or things that he would experience. And so in this Messianic Psalm, um, Jesus is seen as saying, um, I will declare the decree of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You said it's about me, so now I'm saying it about myself. Wow. And so now whatever I say, and the full version of that is whatever I say that you have said already, it will come to pass. Right. This this statement, um, and at one time I heard Jason Nelson preach marvelously on this. He talked about um, um, um well, he says, once has God spoken, twice have I've heard, twice I have heard it, power belongs to God. Yes. God speaks it once from heaven. I speak it once in the earth. That's twice it's heard. And then it, it brings a result. Wow. I'm the, in, in you know, heaven says one thing about me. Hell says another thing. I'm the deciding witness. Right. And that's how that's how faith works. And all of this really, as we get back to the prophetic thing, this is all this is, is has to work in prophecy. I can actually prophesy my own life by speaking the word. Right. So. Wow. And, and, and so, yeah, so it, it is us standing in agreement with what God has said. So perhaps it's a situation where we're not 
seeing what we're believing for because maybe God didn't say it? <laughs> yeah, a lot of times. You know, and, and what about things like, like like cars and houses? Did God address these things? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. They come they come under the area of need. They come under the area of blessing. Mm-hmm. They come under the area of, of um, desires of your heart. But we have to be careful that our heart, that we bring these things from a right perspective. Right. And, and before I forget this, Gerard, um, I think we may need to, if we're addressing prophecy, we may need to address eschatology, which is a study of end time things. Mm-hmm. Because there's a person listening to the podcast and they're thinking, well, what about, what about prophecy as it relates to the book of Revelation? Mm-hmm. You know, and I want to say this quickly without even going into great detail. Is that the book of Revelation is is um is divided into three parts: things that were, things that are, and things that are to come. Okay. And 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 the the key thing about the book of Revelation is understanding the imagery that's that's spoken there, because a lot of the things are not exactly um are literal mm-hmm. in in the sense of um that that where John may have seen something that looked like a flying um locust, he could have been talking about a helicopter, right. and. And where he see like a falling star, a shooting star could be a falling um, a satellite. Okay. So, so there are different things that they have to be interpreted in light of the context that that they were spoken for or in. Right. I know that's deep. Right. But, 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 but what I'm saying is that is that if he's talking about certain things that that have happened already, then then they're probably literal. But if he's talking about something that is to come, it's pro- he's probably telling you what it looks like and not what it really is. Got you. Because he probably didn't have the words to describe it because he right. hadn't seen anything like that before. Right. I, I don't know if me and you addressed this, but I, but I, I, pro- I probably should address it. Now, remember Paul said um, in one, one place, I was caught up uh, to the third heaven and saw things that were not lawful to be spoken in the earth. Right. And, and the reason they weren't lawful to be spoken in the earth is because there were no words in the earth to describe them. Wow. Remember when John in, in the in the first part of the book of Revelation, when John saw Jesus for the first time, the Bible says that that um, that John makes this description. He says he says his eyes were like fire, mm-hmm. out of his mouth came a two edged a double edged sword. His feet were like polished brass. Notice he kept saying they were like they were like they were like he was, he didn't say they were right because the Lord's eyes are not fire and his and and, and his tongue is not a sword. Right, that'd be brutal. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, um, what, he, what he is saying was he was trying to, he's seen these eternal spiritual things and he's trying to grab at things in the earth that he's seen before. He calls, he calls the, um, the, the, um, the, the, the river that flows from the throne of God or the thing that comes from the throne of God, he called it the crystal river. Mm. He, call, he, starts, he starts naming things and, and, and when you, if you take them literally, you paint, you paint this picture of heaven. It has 12 foundations. Mm-hmm. And you start painting this picture of heaven, and that doesn't make logical sense to us, because what he's doing is that he's trying to marry his language and the imagery that he's seeing, and, and, and trying to give us an interpretation of what he's seeing in the earth. Right. Everything he's saying is legit and it's real, but his descriptions are limited to what he what was in the earth at the time. There was not technology in the earth at the time. Right. There were no satellites floating above the earth at the time. Um, even some of the things that he said, I know it probably freaked him out. That the two um, witnesses will be killed in the streets of Jerusalem and the whole world will see it? How is that possible? Right. Well, it's possible today. Right. <laughs> wow. Right. There are, mo- there are multiple news sources that could show the whole world in real time mm-hmm. what's happening in Jerusalem. Right. But at the time that John spoke it, prophetically, it wasn't. And so another thing that we need to know about prophecy is that uh, um, prophets, well, I'll say it like this. Uh, 
God will speak the things that have not yet happened, and, and God will send you a prophetic word, and this is a powerful thing to write, and he will tell you about things that you are yet to experience, and he will speak to a time in your life that 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 calls for a whole nother level of maturity, a whole nother set of resources, and he will talk about it like it's happening now. Right. God will talk to you, and you know, I remember receiving a prophecy, and they were telling me, um, 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 you're going to have three churches, and 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 one is going to be like a, uh, this uh, this kind of tree and it's going to be and I'm thinking to myself three churches dude I don't even have 50 members <laughs> right wow but looking back now I saw that I, w- I, w- I actually encountered a real prophet and God has felt the need to communicate to me what, what he had for my future because to be honest with you I didn't believe any of what people were saying about what God wanted to do with my life wow 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 so so let me ask you this because I, I'm one of those people and and there are i'm sure others like me you know where you'll sit in a service and or or you know maybe not even a service maybe facebook message or phone call or whatever where you know everybody around you seems to be the one that gets the you know prophetic word <laughs> and you just get nothing <laughs> like that you know so so the question that i have is for people like that uh what what does that mean? Does that mean a that you're not in tune enough? B does it mean that perhaps you're already hearing from God, so you don't need that? Or does it mean something else? That's a good question. I, I explain it like this. You remember in, in uh, the book of First Corinthians, Paul says um, to covet the best gifts. Right. So the question is asked: What what are the best gifts? Mm-hmm. And so the, and here's the answer: the gift that is necessary at the time. Ooh. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. If I need healing, a prophecy is not the best gift right now. Right, right. Healing is the best gift. Right. Uh, if, if I need if I need a miracle, uh, um, a word of knowledge is not the best gift. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, you know see what I'm saying? So so I said that to say that, that what God does is that he gives us what we need. And, and because God is doing something like we're, we're the one that's being called out in a service, Everyone would wish it was them. I wish God would tell me something about my future. But God is like, you already, you got this. Yeah, yeah. You you, you spot on. And sometimes God will make uh, what I call public course correction. He'll give you a prophetic word just to, to give, give you information you need to have that you didn't have before. If the other person sitting next to you have all the information, then what's left for them is to just be obedient, just to do, just walk out what you know. Right. But you know, I can't. I can't. I mean, we to give words. This thing about oh, God, Dallas number, and I give you a word, man. That's not. Be careful with that. Yeah. First of all, prophets. It, it is righteous to give an offering to a prophet if you if if you're uh, able to do so. Mm-hmm. But prophecy should never be for sale. Right. Right. And this, this is a revelation of a difference. It it is it is righteous to to sow seed. To, tr- to sow a natural seed, to, to, uh, if you if you partake partake of a spiritual gift, mm-hmm. but it should never be for sale. Right, right, man. That, you know, wow, that that's that's really good, and I hope that that's helpful to people because again, I think there's some people that are frustrated because a you know a they don't get a prophecy or b they don't <laughs> understand it. Um, but I think that the piece about faith is really really important. Um, so I want, I want to go back and, and ask this. Uh, how does a person practically build their faith? That's good. You know, I think this is what this is how I I, I would say, just like the scripture said, mm-hmm. faith comes by hearing 
repeatedly. Yes. And the way you build your faith, and I'll tell you this is important. The way you build your faith is you hear it and then you do it. Oh, that's good. Because faith without works is dead. Is dead. Mm-hmm. Imagine, it, get, get the picture of your faith laying there in a body bag or in an autopsy room, dead. Wow. When all you have to do to give life to it is to, is to do what you heard. In Hebrews chapter, I think it's in Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about um, adding, adding faith to what you heard. Right. The Bible says that the word preached did not profit them because they didn't add faith to it. What do you mean they didn't add faith? It, 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 it's like they, they believed it, but they didn't act on it. Mm. And right now what's happening to a lot of people, you know, the, the, a part of the faith process is, a part, is, 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 um, is kin to the, to the uh, prayer process. Oh, that's good. What's the prayer process? The prayer process is, is ask, seek, knock. Right. A S K I S E K N O C K, and this it's a revelation that is prevalent in the body. But but I, in my faith, in the faith process, as I go out to do what God told me to do, uh, uh, number one I ask, number two I seek, and number three I knock. I, I, I uh, uh, explain that when we talk about prayer some more. But mm-hmm. this, it's important to understand that that when I hear the word, it's not just to give me more knowledge. Mm. It, it's 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 actually for me to build more road in my life to to travel on. Oh, that's good. Yeah, faith is always about what I do. If it's first about what I believe, but it's all it ends up being about what I do. If you know, if I believe that, like people people talk about the grace message, if I believe that the grace of God is what the grace of God is, then ultimately the grace of God has to change my life. Right. I can't just say I'm a grace person and then I'm continue to do the same things I was doing before. Then then you say grace is powerless. Wow. The, the, a grace is, a grace that could save me but that can't change me is not grace. Right. So. It's the same thing with my faith. I mean, I hear it, I believe it, but then when I come to this, the place of, of settled persuasion, I should be able to do things with my faith. My faith is to be active and alive, and it should change the quality of my life. Yeah. And that doesn't always mean, watch this now, it doesn't always mean it upgrades, it upgrades my situation. Sometimes I've learned that faith not only upgrades my situation, but sometimes it downgrades my desire. Ooh. Ooh. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It down- and what it means is, is sometimes like I could, I could, I've seen people or pastors say to me, "I want a big building just like you." Listen, God, I, I, I will say this: God is not building big buildings today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. what God, it not not for the sake of building big buildings. What God is doing is now God is going to give you a place where where you your people can meet together. You don't have to do, do four and five services to burn out, right? But 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 the the the, uh, the mark of success in in, in the ministry. As, as far as faith is concerned, is not you having a big building. It's you having the wherewithal to minister to the people that God has assigned to you. Right. So sometimes God may have to downgrade your desire. Wow. Your faith grows, so he down, is, you're, he's able to downgrade your desire to not want something that's high and mighty or big and large, but something that, 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 that's needed yes. to do what he's called you to do. That makes sense? That makes perfect yeah. sense. That makes perfect sense because I think what happens for a lot of us is, you know, again, the, the comparison thing, which I've heard you talk about before, uh, where people look at what other people have as a measurement. So whether yes. whether it is, you know, looking at a person uh, receiving a prophecy and saying, oh, why can't I have that too? You know, whether it's that level of comparison or the comparison that you just mentioned, it puts uh, it, it causes us then to uh, to discount what we've already been given, which certainly can be enough for where it is that we're going. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that makes sense. And the idea of downgrading um, the desire is really, I guess, to, to put that desire on par or on course with where we're really going versus where somebody else is going. Right, or what we think success is. Right, right, right. And, and, and so my last question for, for today will be this. This now deals with healthy measurements. Mm. So because I I believe that a lot of times we mess up because we incorrectly measure success. We measure it by the wrong measures, you know. So how can a person look at their faith and measure it properly as being able to say, hey, my faith is in a healthy place or it needs help? How can they healthily do that? What are the the right measures for that? Yeah, adversity. The Bible says that um, in Mark chapter four, the the parable of the sower, Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, mm-hmm. it's not possible for you to understand any other parable. Wow. This, that, is the, that is the parable upon which all parables in Scripture um, hangs, that, that, that important parable. Mm-hmm. And in the parable, he tells them something. He says um, that some people will, re- will receive the word um, with joy. Right. But then when persecution an affliction comes for the word's sake, immediately they're offended. Now, this is important. In, in the parabolic description of that, he said um, the, the seed is sown in, in stony soil or rocky soil, mm-hmm. and so it's impossible to have a lot of root. Right. So, so, the, so it doesn't take root in our hearts, so when it's challenged, it automatically um, is destroyed. Now, this is important, and it is, it's speaking of, of a faith where well, I say it like this. It's dealing with the issue of you hearing the word of God and not understanding that every time God gives you a word, the process of that whole development of that word is it has to be challenged. Mm. So so when the first time you hear um, a, a, a revelation on, on t- giving God a tenth of the income, which, by the way, tithing was before the law, mm-hmm. the first time you hear a a, a good teaching on it that's not based in fear and, and judgment, but his faith is based in in gratitude to God and and getting God involved in your in your finances. Watch this. The first time it happens, when you start tithing, the first thing you're going to see is adversity is going to come against your finances. Wow. Because God wants to, because what God is going for, God is going for um, the rooting of the word. And the, the only way the word can be rooted in your heart is when, when you have to fight for it. Wow. When 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 you when the word of God is when um, look at the first soil that he described he said but but the, but the seed that is sown on on um what do you call it the pathway mm-hmm. or um what's what's the word that, that the King James version of it I, I there's, have not there's one that talks about stony stony ground and there's another on um what's it called? the wayside the wayside yeah that's that's wayside ground it's literally it's the pathway but I haven't used the King James in so long this what well, well, let me. Th- Quickly to describe the um, the seed that fell on the wayside by the wayside. Mm-hmm. In, in the in the Greek, it's talking about the uh, uh, of the beaten path. Okay. So imagine you're going through a jungle or you're going through a a, a, a wooded area, and 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 if you look, if, if someone had been there before, you can actually take a look and you can see the path where the feet have walked before. You could follow the path. Mm-hmm. But if but if, if there were if there was no one before, if you are the pioneer, you have to cut your own path. Right. 
Well, when the word of God, here's what the Bible says, and, and people miss this analogy so easily. This par parable is so powerful. Jesus said, when seed is sown by the wayside, the birds come and eat it up. And then when he translated, he said, he said, um, a person receives a word, but because they don't understand it, Satan comes and he steals the word. But how to think about this? Hmm. How do you steal words from a person? Hmm. That's an interesting question. How do you how does Satan steal words from you? Well, by argument. He argues to you, that, and here's what happens. The, the word, God sows the word, but when you hear the word being spoken, in your mind, it, the, you say, well, I already know what that says. I already know what I believe in that area. And so I, you, stop, you, have, you stop listening fully, start halfway listening, because you think you already know that. That's what the wayside means, yeah. is that you hear a word and you think, I already know what that means. I already, I already know what I believe in that area. I don't need to hear it. And so let's go to something else. That word cannot benefit you. Wow. So, but, but so what, what happens is now when the word is sown in your heart at, in an area that you think you already know, I, you think you already are fully versed in that. If you stop to listen, you say, Father, I may, what I believe here may be wrong. Mm -hmm. So I need you to help me with this. And you start listening to that word and you receive that word. Now God will allow the word. He didn't say if persecution arise for the word's sake. He said when. Mm, yeah. And so when persecution arise because of the word you received, then your job or, or what God expects of you is to hold on to his word. Mm. And, what, what, and here's what I learned. When you hold on to the word, God is able to shift the entire landscape of your life. Sometimes you lose things, mm. but you gain insight. Wow. You can lose things and gain insight so that when you do get things again, they're better, they're of deeper quality. Watch this now. And now you understand that things are are, are um are transferable and they're changeable. But if I hold on to what God has given me, and that's the way we grow, uh, Gerard, that's the way we grow yeah. in our assignments. Yeah. That's how we go from, from having a small church to a big church, from having a, a, a small business to a big business, is that we keep holding on to the word of God while God keeps changing the landscape and our possessions and, and we lose and we gain. And, and all of a sudden we have this testimony, this story about how God brought us through. Yeah. Because regardless of what happened, we held on to the word. That's That's... On my answer to that last question. Oh, oh. <laughs> fantastic. And this is why we do Heart to Heart, because it is absolutely incredible. The knowledge, the insight, and information that we gain. We want to hear what you guys have learned from today's session. So via social media, tweet us using the hashtag Heart to Heart. That's H-A-R-T, the number two, and then H-E-A-R-T. Send us your questions, your comments, your lessons learned, and certainly we'd love to shout you out on a future episode. Wow, this is incredible. Do me a favor, have your friends and loved ones subscribe to this. Share this with them because they will absolutely benefit from this incredible knowledge. This is On Course with Heart Ramsey.